this next month, I will have been doing economic development in the state of Texas for 31 years. And I never in my life dreamed that I would even get to work on a project with a, a B in its name. That is B per billion. And it's not just one project, but two that are underway in Sherman, Texas. The economic stars have really aligned in Sherman. So what's driving these multinational companies to a city of about 45,000 people? And what ripple effects will the massive investment have on the community? I'm Bailey Friday, and North Texas wants to know what's behind the tech boom in Sherman. So let's talk about Sherman for a minute. It sits about 70 miles north of Dallas, about 15 miles south of the Red River, and Texas Instruments has provided hundreds of jobs to city residents for decades. Now, there is a lot more coming. We've just announced and landed these two mega projects, which either of them would have been by far the largest that Sherman and Grayson County has ever seen. So to have both of them in one fail swoop basically has been unbelievable. Those two projects? a new plant for Texas Instruments, and a facility for Globotech that's a subsidiary of Taiwan-based Global Wafers. Both will produce wafers. No, not the cookie. I know. I was also expecting something different, but wafers are actually the thin pieces that go into semiconductors. A semiconductor, it's it's just a substance that has certain electrical properties. It's, it's usually a, a solid chemical element or a compound that conducts electricity. That is Kent Sharp. He's the president of the Sherman Economic Development Corporation. On that semiconductor substrate, you can put things like diodes, integrated circuits, and transistors, which are all made from semiconductors. Uh, and that's why you've seen the, the like the shiny wafers. Uh, now they're 300 millimeter wafers that look a little bit like the old style, I'm dating myself, but like the old style compact disc that we used to put music on and put in our cars that's that shiny thing that's the substrate that's the wafer and then they put the integrated circuits millions and millions of transistors and integrated circuits are printed on that on that substrate that wafer so that that wafer itself is the semiconductor that allows the electricity to be conducted but there was a time and it really wasn't even that long ago that sharp says he was wondering what he'd gotten himself into by taking the job in sherman you take this job in sherman almost four years ago right one of the first things that happens is Texas Instruments is suddenly considering leaving town. So how yes. did, yeah, how did the change of course happen there? Somewhere along in 20, I got that dreaded call one, one day. It, it had actually slipped at a, a quarterly earnings report that TI was having that the Sherman facility and a facility in Dallas, the, the plants were going to be closing because those plants, the Sherman and the Dallas plant made uh, the 150 millimeter, or they printed chips on the 150 millimeter uh, legacy wafers. And those things were kind of going away. Well, that was six or 700 jobs. And I'm the new guy. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what in the world? Uh, you know, looking up and thinking, Lord, why did you move me? Why, why am I here? After months of trying to figure out what to do in a post Texas instrument Sherman, Sharp took a meeting with TI the following June. They come into the office, uh, the lady does, and she sets down in my office and she says, can I shut the door? I said, sure. She says, 
throws this non-disclosure agreement out on the desk and says, can you sign this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what in the world? So I read through it real briefly and sign it and execute it and give it back to her. And she says, so here's the deal. We've got a project. It's 30 billion and 3,200 jobs. It's in four phases. And we can either do it in Singapore or Sherman. And I'm, I mean, my head's just spinning at that point because I'm like, wait a minute, just 12 months ago, you said you're shutting the factory down. And it's a new advanced 300 millimeter semiconductor facility. She said, we already know what Singapore is offering, their package, their proposal. And we just want to see if Sherman can, can put up a proposal. And I said, oh, wow. So I asked her, you know, how long do we have to develop the, the proposal? And she goes, well, we'd like to see the, the, the basics of the proposal by the 1st of August. <laughs> Instead of 2021, that's like five weeks away. And she didn't laugh. She said, yeah. And yeah, since we're doing this story, you probably figured it out. They got it done. It was amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Texas Instruments announced it was staying in Sherman in November of last year. And seven months later, Global Wafers announced its move. I'll have the supply chain issues that, you know, we're hearing these things are plaguing every industry since the start of the pandemic. How are those affecting y'all's desire to increase domestic production? Well, I think awareness is, is the biggest effect it's had on us and, and indeed the whole country. Starting with the pandemic, I think we were just abruptly aware of, wow, we have some real bottlenecks and vulnerabilities in our supply chain especially with things that are made in Asia. And of course, so much of our chips and our wafers, which the chips are put on, uh, I think like 80%, 90% of that is made in Taiwan and China. And I, I knew it had been a national security had risen to the level of national security because in January of 2020, right before the pandemic started, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor was in Texas and they were looking at Sherman or Fort Worth to put, you know, as, as two possibilities to put a plan in. Of course, we were unsuccessful. They went to Arizona. But during those conversations, that's when we first started hearing, you know, this is a national security interest. And I thought, well, why? Oh, really? What is? Well, as we got to the pandemic, then we understood, wow, you know, if there's certain like uh, advanced pharmaceutical ingredients that we can't get that are made in China, you know, what other things? And of course, chips, you know, which that would just it would cripple our economy, cripple our, our, our industry and our industrial base here in the United States. So I, I think the government recognized probably way before that, but put a real, that's when they really started putting this effort together, which ultimately came about in the CHIPS Act. Uh, we need to get this stuff back home and, and uh, not be susceptible to you know, su supply chain disruptions. But Sherman had some steep competition. Sharp says they were actually competing with a site in South Korea and one in Ohio to land the new Global Wafers plant. But we knew that if, if Congress couldn't get that CHIPS Act passed, Korea was probably, you know, a, a, a better option for them because Korea kept up in their offer. I mean, they really want to keep chip production over in that part of the world. The Chips and Science Act of 2022. Have you heard about it? I am not going to lie to you. I actually didn't know much about this, but let me tell you what I know now. The act includes about $52 billion for U.S. companies producing semiconductor chips and billions more in tax credits aimed at stimulating more domestic investment. Republican Senator John Cornyn of Texas was one of the lead authors of the original Senate bill. And on the House side, 24 Republicans voted with all but one Democrat to pass the bill. Representative Pat Fallon, who represents Sherman, was not one of them. President Joe Biden actually signed the bill into law earlier this week.
Sherman City Manager Robbie Hefton says there are four taxing entities that have jurisdiction where TI and Global Wafers are building. That's the City of Sherman, Grayson County, Grayson County College, and Sherman ISD. Both companies received tax incentives to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. There's some segment of the population that doesn't really understand the concept behind industrial incentive agreements, right? They see it as corporate welfare, these big multinational companies, why do they need incentives to come, et cetera. What most people don't realize is these large companies are what pay the bill for cities, right? So if you think about it, the cost of operating a city is certainly in our general fund relates to public safety, police and fire and animal control. Well, how many calls a year do we get from Texas Instruments for police to show up? A handful, maybe, one or two, maybe. Same thing with fire. Our fire department doesn't have to show up at Texas Instruments or Globotech or Tyson or these other large industrial clients because they have systems in place that already monitor and deal with any emergencies of that nature. So my point is, these industrial customers are very, very low users of the services that we provide, but they pay such a highly disproportionate share of taxes that go to support those services. So what we're doing as a city and what we're doing as a county and as a school district, when we offer incentives to these industrial customers is we're ensuring the current and future citizens and taxpayers of our city and county that their taxes will remain low because they're paying a disproportionately low share of the cost of governance. I understand how important it is to have, again, going back to supply chain issues, to have certain things made in the United States so that we're not dependent on other parts of the world, you know, especially in the geopolitical climate we live in today, right? I mean, you got China saber rattling, you got the whole Russia and Ukraine thing. So I'm glad our Congress stepped up and, and realized uh, yeah, we, we need to do something to augment and get that production back to the to the United States. While Sherman is about 70 miles from Dallas, it's only about 30 miles from McKinney, meaning someone could theoretically live in McKinney in the DFW Metroplex and have just a half-hour commute to work. Personally, I drive all over the place every day to cover stories all across North Texas. It's a pretty big area. So by North Texas standards, that's not a bad deal. So I knew North Texas was was a growth corridor, especially 75 coming from Dallas up through the, the uh, Red River. Uh, North Dallas has always just, you know, had explosive growth. And I knew that it was probably going to continue to grow. That growth will impact more than just Texas instruments and global wafers. It'll trickle down to nearly every aspect of life in Sherman. What kind of impact will all this tech investment have on Sherman's population by the time Global Wafers plants open in a few years? When we look at the direct and indirect impact of both Globotech and Texas Instruments, we currently have about 8,000 single-family lots under some form of development right now. And we have about the same number of multifamily units that are under some form of development. Now, those aren't going to happen in one year's time, right? That's probably a seven to 10 year maybe build out would be my best guess. But just to give you an order of magnitude, that would nearly double the population of Sherman in that time oh. period. You know, if you boil down what cities do, it really is pretty simple. Um, we provide uh, a, a healthy environment, a safe environment, um, you know, quality of life, 
And, uh, you know, all of those things can be um, kind of, uh, kind of incorporate the things that we do as a city. So it's police and fire and public safety and, and, and roads and clean water and, you know, uh, citizens being able to have confidence that when they, you know, uh, flush their commode that they're, you know, uh, our, our, our facilities can handle anything that comes our way. Hepton says as the city prepares for the next five to seven years, they're likely looking at a nearly half billion dollar investment in utilities, roads, parks, and infrastructure. So right now we think the northern border of the Metroplex is McKinney. And we see a, a massive amount of growth going up from McKinney all the way to Sherman. That's Dr. James Harrington. He is a professor in the public and nonprofit management program at the University of Texas at Dallas. I do believe the city manager is correct that that area is going to be quickly populated. It's one of the fastest growing areas. And I think that Sherman's big benefit, it's only 30 minutes away from McKinney. So you can live in Sherman and still be able to go to McKinney to have dinner, to do retail, and to have, you know, that city part of your life. I think Sherman's growth is going to be largely dependent on McKinney. Um, McKinney has a wonderful city manager, great council uh, that, that's very forward-looking, and, and they have lots of undeveloped land there. So if they're able to also attract more economic development, more corporations, I think that's going to be a boom for Sherman. And what would be the benefits of that? So I think the benefits of that is, is largely home prices are becoming so expensive here in, in Richardson, Plano, Frisco, that I do think that there's opportunities of maybe more affordable homes being built in Anna, Melissa, Van Alstine, in creating new communities, uh, hopefully affordable communities as well up and down the corridor. But I think it's an attractive place to live, particularly with McKinney and Sherman being the anchors. So I think there's lots of opportunity there, but a lot of it's going to depend on the government officials, the economic development teams, uh, their zoning practices, on what really happens. I think Sherman's doing their job by bringing in these, these companies, and McKinney's doing a great job bringing in talent. But I think just a little bit more focus on bringing a few more Fortune 500 companies in would do a, a lot of good for North, the North Dallas area. And would there be any consequences? I think th there would be consequences. Um, there'll be growing pains. I think for a lot of existing residents in Sherman, they're probably going to see increases in their property tax rates as you bring in high income jobs. So that's currently happening throughout the Metroplex. I think Sherman will see more of that. They probably have been experiencing that. I think taxes will, will be an issue. Also too, I think the Northern cities, North and McKinney too, will have to compete on schools. Uh, McKinney School District is an amazing school district, so there'll be a lot of pressure for those local officials to make sure that they're providing just as a premium of product from their ISDs. So that's going to take vision, that's going to take more taxes, so there's definitely challenges ahead. And also, too, I think the other challenge, too, is just the transition from more of an exurban rural environment into a suburban environment, too, of kind of losing that small, quaint, small town feel. I think will also be a challenge for some residents. With all this growth, do you have any worries about losing that small town feel? You know, that is, that's a very interesting question. One that we have, have already started talking about and was kind of a subject of our most recent budget workshop. That is for sure a concern of mine. There's a, a very rich heritage here in Sherman. 
downtown is has the traditional square uh, as the county seat here of Grayson County. And so one of the things that we are focusing on over the next few years is upgrading and maintaining the infrastructure in the county square and also trying to attract retail and restaurants to the county square as well, which is our downtown. It's going to bring a lot of other jobs, hotel jobs to serve those companies, restaurants, and so forth. So it's going to bring a lot more economic activity to this area, which is going to lead to even more developments. And I think it's going to start merging the Metroplex more with Sherman as they try to focus on those synergies. This isn't a totally unique situation to Sherman, right? We've seen growth like this in a lot of smaller towns across Texas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in many ways, McKinney was that small town that's grown. And we keep on pushing more to the outer areas. Um, We're seeing that a lot in Austin, too, uh, where Austin is becoming fully developed. So there's a big push to the outer rings. So Taylor is one of those examples where they're bringing in the, the Samsung facility at $17 billion. So we're definitely seeing this. So I think there's lots of models. There's lots of best practices that we could we could look towards uh, as we're making our future decisions on how we should, we should expand. I'm just curious, what is the huge draw of these little Texas towns? That's a great question. I think largely it comes down to cost. Land is is still undeveloped there. It, it's at affordable rates. I think for the, the, the global tech, the economic development team was able to give them a, a pretty competitive offer on the land. I think what corporations are seeing is, is they're seeing opportunities to build campuses on undeveloped land that's close to, to a metroplex. So Sherman, 30 minutes away. Taylor, Texas, 30 minutes away from Austin. I think the proximity in undeveloped land is so hard to come by that these areas are really attractive. And when they're close to metroplexes, they're also close to talent. You have to have talent. You can't just build in a small town. You have to have a pipeline for that talent. So now that you have these large tech manufacturers in Sherman, what are the next priorities for the Sherman EDC? Workforce. Uh, that's that's going to be our number one priority over the next five to, well, I'd say five to 10 years. Uh, but it starts now, right? The, mm-hmm. the global wafers and, and TI, they don't start production until 2025 because it literally takes about two years just to build the building, then another year to get the equipment in and certified. So they start rolling off their products for revenue in 2025. Uh, That means we've got the city obviously is having to build infrastructure now to meet that deadline. And we need to start working with our workforce partners, our workforce solutions at Texoma, Grayson College, Austin College, and all of our high schools uh, to get talent in the pipeline that will be able to fulfill these jobs as they come online. I think another challenge that Sherman will, will need to think about is education. Collin County has done a really great job focusing on their community colleges to help feed in the workforce. Also, there's a huge tech community here in Richardson and Plano, and UTD plays a, a huge part of that. It, we feed in a lot of engineering, computer science students, those industries. I think Sherman will have to develop similar relationships with UTD, with UNT, to foster that growth, to bring in talent. I think Austin College is going to be a huge key to their success. They're going to have to develop relationships and really kind of focus Austin College on having graduates that's going to fit a lot of these careers. And I think Austin College will be a great partner for them. And lastly, they just need to develop more of their own community college systems and kind of follow the trajectory of of Collin College and Dallas College, which has, you know, had extreme growth uh, over these last 10 years. With all the focus on Texas Instruments and Global Wafers, Sharp says he recognizes other industries in town will need to add workers too. 
plus our existing industries. I mean, I, you know, I, I hate that it seems our, you know, our existing industries who, who have, you know, just been a lifeblood of Sherman and Grayson County for years. Uh, they're, you know, they're not getting as much limelight with these two other projects, but we love them. We, I mean, they, they support us. They pay taxes they have for years and they need workers. I mean, we're, our goal is universal. When I say building a workforce, it means for all of the Sherman industry, not just uh, the, the tech companies. I'm Bailey Friday at News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas-Fort Worth. Thanks for joining me for North Texas Wants to Know. If you liked the show, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Chris Blake and Savannah Jones. Original music by Michael Eisenstein. Editorial support from Cooper Mall. Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts is Myron Kaplan. <laughs>